What's up, everybody? How's it going? What's up, everybody in person, online? What's up? I'm looking at you. Hey, glad that you are with us. Especially if this is your first time, welcome to South Point. Um, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whether it's like a spiritual newbie, you're a believer, not a believer, or you've been doing this for years and years and years, decades and decades, I'm glad that you are here. And I hope that you find the next step that you need to take wherever you are, because we all, it's a continual journey that we're con- constantly taking next steps. I want to give a real quick shout out to a special group of people right now. It's our Next Gen Volunteers. Dude, thank you, all of our kids volunteers and student ministry volunteers. Kids have been open for three weekends now. It's the third weekend. Students have been open since the uh, middle of September on Sunday nights. And so seriously, thank you, Next Gen Volunteers. You guys are making not just a safe environment for our kids and our families, but an impact in an entire generation of families and students. And um, I also thank them and just shout out because I know that they're looking for a few more brave men and women who want to make an impact in the next generation. Look, and this isn't desperation. This is just an invitation to make an impact in the next generation. So if you're interested, whether it's behind the scenes or building relationships with students and families, helping families um, lead their students to know about Jesus and changing an entire generation, I encourage you to sign up, be a part of it. You can let us know via your connection card um, online. You can sign up to serve or email us um, and we'll get you connected. So thank you volunteers. Truly appreciate it, man. Thanks for the worship team. It's every weekend. It's amazing to kind of, this generation that we live in, okay, the culture we live in, family ministry, student ministry, kids ministry is more and more important because the family is just experiencing the breakdown from all the different ways that, you know, our culture has been living the last four or five, six really decades. And so you see all the stats. Now it's not just God's words telling us what the family, how important the family is, but you see stats showing it. Everybody knows the family breakdown changes our culture or society. When kids don't know that they're going to come home to a mom and a dad that love them, when a kid doesn't know that mom and dad unconditionally love them, it affects them. It messes with them, not just physically and emotionally, psychologically. God intended it to be a certain way for us, and we all experience in this. And so that's why we need more and more people pouring into this next generation. But imagine this. Imagine if you were like a lot of kids today that aren't sure if mom and dad are going to love you tomorrow that aren't sure if mom and dad are going to be there tomorrow, that aren't sure if you're going to have a mom and dad, right? What if you were that? But what if you felt that way about God? And I think this is where this is unfortunately common. A lot of people wonder, feel like, "Ah, I don't know if God really cares about me or not. I know I can't be sure about it. I hope that he likes me. I think he likes me today, but I don't know about tomorrow. Or after tomorrow, you say, I know he doesn't like me now, right? We have this conflict. Does God give you what you need to know so that you can be sure? It's important. I want to ask you a quick question. I want you to think about it for a second, too. Don't just shrug it off for a second. If I were to ask you, hey, what, what percentage would you give yourself? If you, do you think you'll make it to heaven? Right now, what do you think percentages for you are? 50%? 75%? 10%? 2%? 99 99%? 100%? What do you think? What you, how you answer that actually says a lot about what you think about God's plan of salvation. Whether or not you think God wants you to know that you're loved or whether he wants you to continue to do stuff to earn something. And that's what we've been talking about this series called The Way. God, in the week one, God has given us his offer, his amazing offer of grace. Salvation is by grace and grace alone, not by anything that we have done. 
And the second week, we talked about our response to that amazing offer. Our response is to place faith, so it's through faith in baptism that we receive that gift of forgiveness, His grace, right? If you miss those messages or if you want to listen to them again, you can check them out, watch them on the website or listen to the podcast. I encourage you to do that so that you know this and you can share this with others because God wants you to be certain. Another thing that it makes you at least, when you think about this, if you've received the gift of salvation, if you have said yes to Jesus, placed your faith in him, are you sure? Do, do you know that it took? Like, did it work? <laughs> Was that the day that it didn't work? The baptism waters were broken? Or like, did it really? How do you know, right? Do you have assurance? Are you confident right now? Because again, if you don't have confidence, then you're going to be like those kids. A kid who today... I need to make sure I earn, I do something so that when I come home, my daddy's still going to love me. My mom's still going to want me. Do you feel that way about God? Joy is going to be really hard to come by. You're going to be filled with a lot of worry and frustration because you're constantly trying to earn something, right? Peace is going to be almost non-existent because I only have peace if I know that dad and mom really is going to be okay, but I can never know that as long as I keep doing stuff, right? So you're going to be struggling with peace and worry, and you're not going to really be able to serve out of gratitude because you're always trying to do something to earn something because I got to score some brownie points with dad. And then you're probably going to give in to that sin because I don't even know if it's making a difference. So at some point, I'm just going to throw my hands up. To know whether or not where you stand with God is important. I'll ask you another question that you can actually, this is important for you to ask of yourself, but you can ask this to friends, family members, coworkers, when you're having conversations, spiritual conversations that will help you maybe have really important conversations. If you were to die... It's <laughs> a grim question. If you were to die right now and God were to ask you this question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you answer? What would you answer? Typically, it's one of three answers. First one sometimes is, I don't know. Honest, but I don't know. In Romania, we send teams there every year. Um, honestly, every single time you ask someone in Romania, it's only God knows. So it's not just I don't know, but it's I could never know because only God can know. So I'm constantly in this state of I don't know, and God wants me to be in the state of I don't know. I don't know is a really sad. Imagine if I were to ask you, hey, are you married? <laughs> uh, I, I think so. <laughs> you ain't going to be if your wife was next to you <laughs> very long because she's going to kill you, right? Or if an officer pulls you over on the highway and says, hey, is this your car? I, I hope so. <laughs> not going to go so well for you, right? I don't know. It's not a great question, and it's more sad than anything because you don't know if you're right with God. Second question, since the answer a lot of times people might give is, well, I've been good. I've worked really hard. I've been good. And if you look at my uncle, dude, I've been really good. <laughs> or if you're a kid, my brother's really bad, so I'm definitely a lot better than him. I've been good. This is religion that says you can do something to earn something. But the problem is this, we all know, if you need to be perfect to enter the presence of a perfect holy God, then we've all blown it. You know that you've blown it, and so I don't need a, I don't need a, a, a cheer me up or pick me up card. I need a savior, right? I need someone who can take away what I have done wrong. I need forgiveness. So it's another sad answer because also you're never going to have peace because you're never going to know if you truly did enough. And then the third answer, which is the good answer, the correct answer is I placed my trust in Jesus Christ, which we just sang a song that talks about that, right? I, I place my trust in Jesus Christ. And yet, in this, the funny thing, like even though you've said you've placed your trust in, G trust in Jesus Christ, we still sometimes struggle with being sure. 
I did exactly what you told me to do, and yet I still struggle with being sure. One, that's kind of crazy, right, in a sense, because that kind of makes God to be a liar. If I've done everything that you've told me to do, I'm still telling you that I'm not, right? Part of it's on us. What do we do with that? Because we struggle with it. Have you ever been in the argument with your wife, or your wife says something to you in the morning in your head, you're thinking, oh, I think she's mad at me. And if you think she's mad at you, then what do you do? You play the game in your head. What should I say? Hmm. Because if she's mad at me, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. So I'm going to try to say something to make sure she's not more mad at me. Or maybe she's thinking about this from the other day. And so you play this game in your head, right? All trying to win something that you don't even know if it's real or not. That's what you're doing with God sometimes. Crazy, isn't it? And you think it actually makes sense. Like in your head, you're like, wow, I'm really thinking about this. This is smart. I'm doing the right thing. But if you were to verbalize it, say it out loud, you would realize how dumb (laughs) I am. Mark, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You didn't do anything to earn this in the first place, so why do you think you can do something to keep it now? She loves you because she said yes to you a long time ago. Why in the world do you keep making her prove something that she's already proven? Why do we struggle with this? Because we struggle with ourselves, because we're just prideful human beings. Here's what I want to do. Sometimes you think because you don't remember the date that you were baptized, you don't have this holy, magical ah, moment that lightning hit you and Jesus became real to you. I don't have that moment. I can't give you the date, the time, you know. I don't remember. You think, well, I must not be saved. Well, that's crazy because your memory does not determine whether you're saved or not. Or sometimes you think, well, man, my story so boring and lame. Did you hear their testimonies? I mean, their testimonies bring tears to your eyes. I'm like, I want to, I think I need to be saved after hearing their testimonies. Your testimony means nothing about your salvation. Your salvation does not rest on tingly feelings and experiences. Or maybe you think because you've sinned again. Even after you came out of the waters, you know, you gave your life to Christ and you're baptized and you came out and two days later, you punched your brother right in the face, you know? Ah, oh, must not be saved. I want to do this. If you've been to our first step experience, you've probably seen Brett or myself draw this kind of, it's called the chart of goodness, okay, we'll call it. Up here represents 100% good, 100%. Amazing, perfect, awesome. None of us are that, right? 0%, if that's such a thing, is down here at the bottom. We often ask this question. If you, who do you think, can you put anybody who ever lived that might be up here 100% times people say Mother Teresa? right, or something like that. My family would say Speedy, Uncle Speedy, he's like the perfect human being that's ever lived. If there was some, Uncle Speedy was just so good. But whoever you put, maybe, and then sometimes, well, then we'll ask, hey, who do you think is, who's evil? People say Hitler, you know, Hitler, Stalin, mother-in-laws, things like that, you know, the normal. So you got 0% evil down here, 100% perfect good up here. So now we do our timeline. This is your timeline, okay? We begin living in the beginning, your baby, infant, toddler. You don't know what you're doing. You're just drinking a bottle and people are changing your diaper. And then all of a sudden, you know what right and wrong is. You begin to be accountable for your own sin, right? And so now some days you have good days. Well, that was a good day. I was a good person, right? Some days, so much. And you keep just going up and down and sometimes you have really bad all over the place, right? But then at some point in your life, again, this is your timeline, right here, let's say, is where you meet Christ. And you say yes to Jesus, place your faith in Christ, and are baptized. Right here is the moment the cross begins as the bridge between, right, for, for forgiveness. And so from this moment on, right, everything's changed, supposedly, right? And so you wake up the next day, and your brother is mean to you, and you don't punch him in the face. You didn't poke him in the eye. You didn't kick him in the head. You didn't do any of that. Oh, Jesus is real, right? 
you get out into the highway and a guy cuts you off and you're like, Jesus loves you. Whoa, Jesus is real. I'm saved, right? But then day two, you wake up and you're like, boom, right in the face of your brother, boot to the head. You go to work and you're like, I hate everybody. Wait a minute, am I saved? See, just like that, we begin to question, right? You, I know you're there. And over time, right, you begin to, you have good days, you have bad days, you have, and it just continues, right? And hopefully what you're going to experience post the Christ, cross, post salvation, is that you can begin to see that the, there's an upward trend, right? You're beginning to sin less and less. But the important thing is this, on this side of the cross, God doesn't see you as sinning less and less. God sees you as sinless. Key word, you are forgiven. Forgiven, that means you are forgiven. God doesn't see you as sinning less and less because he doesn't want someone who sins less and less. He needs someone who is perfect. He in your sin and placed Christ's, Christ's righteousness on you. So he sees perfection. He sees Christ in you. Crazy, isn't it? And yet what do we do? We look at this graph and you're like, yeah, Mark, that's my life. Look, I'm a good person. I'm better than I be. No, you're not. You're the same dummy you were back then. But you've been given the power of the Holy Spirit who is doing something in you. See, we quickly take credit for something that we never did. We'll say, yes, thank you, Jesus, because I didn't do anything to deserve it, but you did it. But as soon as we get out of those waters, we say, look at me, look what I did. The same sinner over here that you were over here, but Christ has given you the Holy Spirit and he's forgiven you. That's what we need to recognize and understand because we struggle with this. This is what can give us surety. Because you struggle with sin even after you gave your life to Christ doesn't mean you lost something. It means you repent and you trust God's grace yet again to continue to forgive you. But he, Paul reminds us and warns us, don't use it as an excuse, his grace. Romans 6, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? See, he ties it to your baptism. You died. You died underneath the water, died to your sin, and you raised up a new creation with Christ for Holy Spirit so that you can live this new life. You're freed from it. Are you living like that? Are you sure? I want to give you four reasons today that you can be sure that you're saved. This is important because you need to be living like you're sure of it so that you can stop thinking about yourself and being so selfish and you can share this with everybody else. I got to stop doing all the little, little dumb things I'm doing in my head and understanding what God said so then I can live confidently. Number one, I can be sure because I have Christ. You have Christ. Not because your parents were Christian, not because you went to a church or denomination, not because of a ritual or a tradition, not because of anything that you've ever done. It's because of what God did. Listen to what the Apostle John says, and this is what God has testified. He, God, has given us eternal life. Who gives eternal life? Who gives eternal life? God. No one else. Who gives eternal life? God. And this, is, this life is in his son. So whoever has God's son has life, eternal life. Who has eternal life? Whoever has the Son, whoever has the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not have his Son does not have life. What does that Son say? Jesus, what does Jesus say about what he does? Revelations 3.20, here I am, Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what a great image. He's right at the door knocking. Like imagine your whole life knocking. I'm waiting, I'm knocking. 
And what happens? As soon as you open that door, what does he do? He comes in and eats with you, dines with you. He's with you. So where is Christ in relation to the believer? With you, at the dinner table, right there with you, eating with you. What happens, how does he do that? By invitation. When you invite him, you say, hey, what's the secret handshake? What's the password? No, he says, if you open that door, if you invite me in, I'm coming in. So you can be sure, confident, if your faith, trust is in Jesus. Where is your faith? Is your faith, trust in Jesus or is it in something else? Second reason you can be sure is because it's not based on your feelings. My goodness, it's nothing to do with your feelings. We got to really realize this it has nothing to do with our feelings. Have you ever felt unworthy? Have you ever felt, man, God just, I don't think he loves me anymore. It's a bad season. Everything's going wrong. God's left me. God doesn't, God must not care about me or I must have done something and God's left me because God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe you're a new believer or you've been a believer for 50 years. It doesn't matter. You can struggle with feelings of unworthiness. Hey, downriver people, you love your trains, right? All right, here's a train for you. Don't worry. It's short. Okay. It's really short. Notice in the engine is the word fact. The boxcar is the word faith and the caboose, the bottom, the butt, the last, right? The last thing is what? feelings. This is the way that we should be living. And most times we get this backwards. Facts is what should be driving us. Facts, not feelings. Facts for us Christians, what are those? What's in God's word? Scripture. So for us, what God's word says is the facts we live our lives by. So we look at God's word and say, this is what God says about salvation, what his offer is, what our response is. And then we place our faith in those facts. So because God says this, I trust those words. I trust what he says. I place my faith in those facts and I'm going to live by that. And my feelings are last. My feelings, it doesn't mean that they're not real. They don't exist. It means that we should not live by them because they do not determine what is true or not. My feelings, I don't, it doesn't matter if I feel saved or not. The facts are, this is what God said. My faith is in this, so even if I don't feel like it, the facts say, my faith say, this is what's true. So what are you being driven by? What's leading your life? Number three, what you can be confident of, what you can be sure of is from the witness of God's word. God's word is so good. A hundred years ago, there was an evangelist. It was actually a pro baseball player, Billy Sunday, that turned evangelist, and he said this, I am a Christian because God said so. And I did what he told me to do. And I stand on God's word. And if the book goes down, I'll go with it. Confidence in the word of God, those facts, the promises that God has given us. The apostle John said it a lot earlier like this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may what? Wish, hope, wonder? No, so that you can know that you have eternal life. He wants you to know that you can have eternal life, that you have eternal life. He, he wrote it down in black and white so that you can be confident of what he said, not wonder. I wonder if God loves me. I wonder what God wants me to do. I wonder if he's going to be there tomorrow. This isn't fatherlessness. He's not leaving you. This is, he's always with you and he's given you exactly what you need. Here's just a few of the facts, the promises in just one letter of Romans. The letter of Romans, I want to read a couple of them, a few of them to you, just a few of them in Romans so that you can remember, be reminded, be encouraged, but also share these with others because people need to know where they can be confident in. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Where does peace come from? Knowing that I'm right with God. 
because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you maybe, or you might be, or hopefully, or if you just keep going, you'll be saved, you will be saved. Romans 6, 3 through 5, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We just sang this song, I believe in the resurrection. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You can confidently know that one day you're going to raise just like he did your faith is in him. Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God, right? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus or God. Those are facts, promises from the word of God that never change. No matter what your feelings, no matter what culture, no matter what anyone ever says, they're facts, promises that don't change. Have you done everything that God has told you to do to receive his offer? If not, why not? Did you not know? Have you chosen to place your trust somewhere else? Today, you can place your trust in him. If you have done everything that you know God has asked you to do, then why are you questioning your salvation? Isn't that the same as calling God a liar? God is good on his word. But this leads to another question. What kind of assurance does someone have, a believer have, that's never been baptized? In the New Testament, you just don't see that. Like, the believers were immersed. That's just what you see. So it doesn't specifically respond or talk about someone who hasn't been immersed. But today, we have believers that have not been biblically baptized because maybe they weren't taught about baptism or maybe they didn't understand it. They've just never experienced it. So what do you do? I'm not trying to say that, not presuming anything about them to know whether they're saved or not, or I'm not saying they're condemned. How do you respond to someone if, you have that, if you're that person or you have someone like that in your life? You just simply go to that person and say, hey, listen, did you know what the Bible says? The promises that are attached to baptism? Why wouldn't you? Do you want to be sure, confident that you've done everything that you know God has asked you to do? Well, then look in Scripture. Don't trust me. Just see what the promises are there. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Let them look in God's word and make a decision for themselves. Not condemn somebody, just to look in scripture. Number four, the reason you can be sure is this, because from the evidence of a transformed life, this is like the visible one, the one you should be able to see. So we go back to our chart here, right? Has anybody, can you see a difference in your life? Do other people see a difference in your life post the cross, right? You see here, remember, it, there's like a trajectory of going up, sinning less and less. Is that happening in your life? Listen, I know that you're not what you should be yet, but you're not what you were. Or are you still what you were? Nothing's changed. Or are you a different person? Just, of course, you want to be better. But again, as soon as we say something, I want to be better, that's a good thing as long as you recognize you can't be better. All you can do is say no to yourself and let God do, let God do the work that he needs to do in you, right? So... What are we trusting in? The evidence 
so that you can be sure that God is doing what he's doing is that your life is changing. Sometimes it's miraculously right in the beginning and you're delivered from an addiction or from a sin that's had a grip on you for your whole life. Sometimes it's a long, slow process that you're constantly working on. But you can be confident that if you're seeing the fruit, Jesus says the fruit in your life, not tangerines and oranges and strawberries, they're delicious, but this is a different kind of fruit. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those, those are the fruits that Jesus says, if you see these in your life, then that's evidence that you are saved. Because you can't do it. <laughs> Again, we, no, you're not. God's doing it. And if that's in your life, then it's reason for you to be sure that God is doing what he did. He's faithful and you're saved. Here's the next question, though. What if you don't see those changes in your life? What if you don't see any changes in your life? Well, then maybe you need to ask the question, am I really in Christ? Apostle John, I mean, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, James, says it like this. But if, um, dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? Listen, it doesn't say if you don't earn it. It says if you don't prove it. Show itself. That kind of faith can't save anyone. So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. Seems dangerous, doesn't it? Last week we talked about this. You can have, there's different, like faith, yes, believing. I believe that God is real. I believe that Jesus is real. But I can have a faith that believes but doesn't trust. I don't trust you, Jesus, to say that I trust you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm actually going to do what you ask me to do. That's faith, saving faith. So a faith that doesn't demonstrate itself whatsoever in trusting him isn't faith. That's what James says. So yes, it should show itself in my life. There's a, this brings us to this, this thing that a lot of people sometimes talk about and, and sometimes even argue about is this. If you're saved, can you lose it? Can you lose your salvation or not? Whole denominations and people are divided over this. And honestly, you can look in Scripture and you can use Bible verses on either side of this. So this is a disputable matter. We can disagree on this and still be brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? This isn't like a matter of essentials. But it really comes down to like how you work with man's free will and God's sovereignty, God's control. And do we have free will, right? How do you work that out? How does that work together? John, the apostle, uh, says this. If someone says, I belong to God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and doesn't live in the truth. I see two kind of extremes, two kind of errors that you can have. One is this faulty understanding to say that I'm saved no matter what. I'm saved no matter what. But it's clear that if I'm not obeying Jesus as my Savior, then I don't have faith in Jesus as my Lord. It's not saving faith. So, and the other faulty extreme error is to say that I can never have assurance I'm always wondering, hoping, trying to attain, but I can never gain assurance whatsoever. Both of those are extreme and faulty. It's not like God has this book of life, right? My name, oh, Mark said yes to Jesus and he's baptized. Woohoo! Mark gets in the book. Ah, day two, Mark punches his sister. Ah, I gotta erase his name from the book real quick. Pulls out his marker. Ah, but day three, Mark is back. Woohoo! He repented. So he keeps writing my name. It's like a huge eraser that God's gonna have to have. He's gonna have a carpal tunnel for me from his whole life trying to erase my name and then write it over and over. That's not the way that it works. He wrote my name in the book and as long as my faith remains in Christ and his grace continues to cover over a multitude of my sins. Even those sins that sometimes I don't even recognize I'm doing because I, out of immaturity or ignorance. 
His grace continues because I did nothing to deserve it in the first place. I placed my faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And so as long as my faith remains in him, his grace continues to forgive. And his Holy Spirit continues to empower. Do you understand why this is so important? Because a lot of you are still working to earn something. And then you're going to teach other people that they have to work to earn something. But you're going to tell them that it's saved by faith. This was confusing and contradictory. Jesus says you can be confident. Listen to this. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Listen, nobody can take you away from Jesus. <laughs> nobody can make you leave Jesus. But is that unconditional? Do you have a choice? Later, Jesus says this in John 15, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now remain in my love. If you, love, if you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. He says, if you obey me, you remain in my love, right? Well, that kind of implies that you could not remain. Does that make sense? So it would be an active, conscientious decision of a Christian believer to say that I am abandoning Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I am I'm saying no to him. I am rejecting him, which just seems unfathomable and foolish, and yet I do believe it's possible. Because you see so many scripture warnings in the New Testament about, hey, be careful, don't lose your faith. Keep the faith. Why would those warnings be there if you can't even lose it? Now, if you believe that there is no free will, then it's at least consistent to say that you believe there's no free will, so God acts on the front end. He gives you the faith. You don't have a choice. He gives you that faith. And then he also, you don't have a choice. You keep it. It's unconditional. That's consistent at least. But if you believe that there is free will, then to say that on the front end I can choose to accept Jesus Christ, but on the back end I can't choose to abandon him, then you're saying that somewhere you lost that free will. Again, this isn't something that, whoops, I lost my faith real quick. One sin gets me out of the book. This is a conscientious decision to abandon Jesus Christ. Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I haven't been practicing my faith lately. Does that mean I'm, ooh, am I out? Hey, listen, if you're worried about whether or not you're saved and you've lost your salvation, more than likely you're probably okay, but you might need to repent and come back to obedience. It's always necessary. But you probably didn't, maybe haven't lost your salvation. And the truth is sometimes maybe people who you think had salvation and lost it, maybe never had it in the beginning because maybe they had that kind of faith that just said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't trust him as my Lord and Savior. Don't know. So it's not something that just slips away. Here's the key in all of this. Understand that both God and man, humans, have a responsibility, have a part to play in this. First Peter 3, 5 says this, we are kept by the power of God. There is nothing that can keep us other than the power of God. He is doing a work continually. Through what, though? Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. God has the power. We keep the faith. Where are you? Do you have that kind of faith? Say this with me. Let's put that back on the screen, please. Here's our big idea. Say it with me. We're kept by the power of God through faith. We're kept by the power of God through faith. You don't have the power to keep your faith. He does. Keep the faith that you have in him. Do you have that kind of faith? If you don't, I'm going to say a prayer right now, and you can pray along with me. Maybe you can say some words like I'm about to pray, or you can say your own words. I want you to be confident that God, God's listening right now. 
And if you open that door, he's going to come in. Or maybe you're a believer in this room, but you're knowing that you need to repent. You need something. Hey, God hears you right now, so pray with me as I'm praying. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ that changes everything. Thank you for demonstrating just how good you are, how amazing you are, how faithful you are. So now when we sing songs or words that talk about how faithful you are, we know that it's true. God, right now in this moment, there may be someone, people watching, listening, and they realize they never, they didn't, they didn't realize, no, they didn't know that they had to do something. They had to say yes to Jesus. It's not just about being good. It's not just about going to church, showing up. Now they're realizing that I need to place my faith in Jesus and to be baptized. If that's you right now and you're realizing this, you thought you were saved by your parents' faith or by something else or by being good, then maybe you can cry out to God right now. You can just talk to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for thinking that I can do this. I'm sorry for not knowing. God, please forgive me. I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior. I trust whether I completely understand it or not. I don't know, but I trust you to do what I cannot do, and I'm asking you to be my Savior, and I'm committing to obedience. I'm going to follow you, trust you. Maybe you're a believer, and you're listening, and you're like, ah, I just realized i got to repent. I haven't been acting in faith. I haven't been obeying God, and now I'm I realize that I'm being called to repentance right now. Maybe right now you can say something like, God, I I confess, I repent of my immaturity, of my lack of discipline, of my selfishness, of my sin, of whatever. And God, I'm I'm asking you to once again cover me with your grace. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to trust in the word, uh, your word, scripture. I'm going to be obedient. And as a people, I pray that all of us God, we would be confident in your words so that we can share this with the rest of the world so that they can be confident and know where they stand with God and how to make it right and find peace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is a big deal. God wants you to know that he loves you and he's given you everything you need to know to know this and to know how to respond. So have you responded? Have you done everything that you know God has asked you to do? If not, why not? Maybe today is the day. You can have that assurance right now. Or maybe you have. Then stop questioning God. Look to God's promises and facts. Remember your faith is in that. Repent if you need to. And obey. Text us, email us. The information will be on the screen if you want to talk to somebody. We'd love to reach out to you if you're online. Or if you're in person, you can meet somebody in room C and D out in the lobby after the service. We want to have a conversation with you, help you take whatever next step is appropriate in your life. Maybe it's today to give your life to Christ and be baptized. We have everything ready for you. Or if you're at home, listen, we'd love to set one up for you ASAP. Or even show you how you can do a DIY baptism at home. Just reach out to us so that we can help you. Maybe you're a believer and you've just never realized what Scripture says about baptism, immersion, and you're like, I want to say yes to Jesus and everything that he tells me to, so I want to do that right now. Hey, we're here to help you take that next step, whatever it is. And that's it for this week, but I hope that this week this really does something in you so that you can begin to live more confidently, and that way, that way we can stop worrying about ourselves so much, and we can take care of other people and share this with other people. So this week, stay connected with us online, uh, either Brett with Bible with Brett or one of our small groups, stay connected, and we'll see you back next week. Adios.